Romans chapter 12. I started a message last week entitled, Acceptable Service. And of course, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. I've, I've used it so many times. I've memorized it. I've prayed over it. I've asked God to give me the grace to live it out. I've preached on it. I've quoted it in sermons. Uh, it is a vital passage of Scripture to the Christian life. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now last week we looked at several motives why we as God's people should render acceptable service unto the Lord. And He is beseeching, He is encouraging, He is urging them to give everything that they have to the service of God. And He he called upon them to think about this, to reflect upon this, as they understood the first motive is, look at who God is and how merciful and gracious and kind He has been to you. To me, a sinner unworthy of the very least of His mercies, He has poured out grace upon grace upon grace. And he starts off by saying, I beseech you, I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you, I'm giving you good counsel to, by the mercies of God. He says, therefore, and that takes you back to the previous 11 chapters, based on what I've taught you doctrinally, how God has saved you and justified you, is sanctifying you, will one day glorify you based on all the truth that I have laid the foundation. Now I'm going to go on to, in light of what God has done and is doing, you need to serve Him with every fiber of your being. Because God is worthy of all the glory. And He's addressing a specific people. He's not talking to lost people here. He says, brethren, children of God. And He, so think about the mercies of God. We went over that last week. That in and of itself should be enough. Look what, what great things the Lord has done for me. I owe Him everything. But then He asks us to understand and recognize God's ownership. We're not our own. We belong to the Lord. We've been bought 
with the price of the ransom blood of Jesus Christ. We're indwelt indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We We must yield ourselves entirely to God. Because we belong to Him. And then I think it's so important that you and I actually think spiritually. We're living in a day and age when people don't want to think anymore. They don't want to logically and rationally consider truth. And as a result, people believe all kinds of lies. But notice... He, gives, he says to us, this is reasonable. This idea of surrendering yourself, committing yourself to serving God acceptably with every fiber of your being, it's reasonable. It's logical. In light of all that God has done, we owe Him. We are debtors to God. So think as you serve. And then I I didn't bring out the last motive, and it's not really set forth here, but it is set forth later on in the book of Romans. And the fourth motive for serving God is the realization that Jesus is coming back, and it could be at any moment And that the very next event after the Lord comes is the judgment seat of Christ. And you'll notice that there is some order here. In chapter 12, he goes on to really describe service and then how to serve in the Lord's church, in the body. But notice how he ends chapter 13. He he exhorts them to love one another, and that love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And he says in verse 11, and that, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now he's not talking about the salvation of the soul. He's already saved. He's already justified. He's being sanctified when he writes this. He's talking about the ultimate redemption, salvation of our body. When we're going to be glorified. When we're going to be conformed ultimately to the image of Christ. And what he is saying is a truth that is true in every age, in every year. The closer with each coming day, we are nearer to that ultimate day of glorification than we've ever been. And we need to be looking for the coming of the Lord. We need to be serving with a sense of urgency, believing that He could come today. And how are we serving in light of that truth? And he gives us some some exhortations here. Verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Don't be conformed to the darkness of this world, 
Don't let the world stamp its image on you. An image of depravity and darkness and destruction and deceit and ungodliness. No, you've got to shun that. You've got to separate from that. And let us put on the armor of light. See, Christianity, genuine, biblical Christianity, is not merely saying you can't do this. That's the way a lot of people view it. Well, I gotta, if I'm going to be a Christian, I've got to give up this and that. And You know what? If you're saved, you'll want to do that. But it's not just merely abstaining from evil. Rather, positively, it is putting on the armor of light. Walking in the light as He is in the light. Serving Christ. Abiding in Him. Obeying the Word of God. That's what it means to put on the armor of light. Desiring holiness. He says in verse 13, Let us walk honestly as in the day. Oh, what a, what a wonderful thing to have an honest Truthful testimony. Now, and by way of contrast, contrast, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. If you look at, at James' comment in James chapter 3, those things come from the flesh and the devil. Envying, strife, drunkenness. Don't do that in light of the coming of the Lord. Verse 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we're to live with an eye to the coming of Christ. With a real sense of urgency that Jesus said, you know, I work the works of Him that sent me. Work while it is yet day, for night cometh when no man can work. I'm not a date setter. I believe that, that I've been preaching this since 1981. That Jesus said the very last statement He makes in the Bible is, Behold, I come quickly. Our response should always be like that of John. Even so come Lord Jesus. I'm ready. I'm looking. I'm awaiting the coming of the Lord. We ought to live with a sense of urgency. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who redeemed us by His blood. He's coming back. And not long after that, I believe that in heaven we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This ought to be a motive for service. You have an exhortation that Jesus is coming again. You better render acceptable service. Because He's coming soon. You ought to serve as you see that day approaching. Now, look over to Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. 
Now, let me, I, I want to make sure, I hate that I have to put this disclaimer in here. But, you know, so much doctrine about the judgments of God, the, the, the stated judgments, are completely error-filled. Most people, and this goes back to Catholic teaching, really, believe that there's one single general judgment. Okay? And that you're going to go and stand before the Lord, everybody is, and there's going to be a scale there. And, you know, if, uh, if your good works outweigh your bad works, then whoa, you, and next thing you don't know, they're going to usher you right there to St. Peter's Gate. And an angel's going to be there and he's going to give you a harp and a crown and you go to your cloud. Alright? Now, if, if your bad works, if they go, if they, you know, they get the, the upper hand, then you're going to hell. I mean, that's, that's how most people look at the judgment. And it's completely, entirely false. Believe me, when you, if you're lost, if you die in your sins, you go to hell to await the resurrection of the damned. And that will happen at the great white. You'll be resurrected to stand before the great white throne judgment. And believe me, there will be no second chance. It's not like there's going to be a weighing there. That is only to determine where your place will be in the lake of fire. Okay? So the, the great white throne judgment is only for lost people who did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died in their sins, who still have their sins. That's what the great white throne judgment is. The judgment seat of Christ is only for believers. It's going to take place in heaven. And you're not going to go before the judgment seat of Christ to determine if you're going to heaven or hell. That was determined on Calvary. When Christ bore your sins in His body on the tree and purchased you and appeased the wrath of God when He was set forth as a propitiation for our sins. The moment God gave you grace to believe, you have eternal life. So the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with where you're going. You're already there. And it's all based on what Jesus did for you. Not anything that you have done. So, the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with the judgment of sin. Your sin was judged on Calvary. But the judgment seat of Christ will be to determine how you serve the Lord. If you've had the right motives... If you've lived for the Lord consistently, faithfully, God's going to reward you for that. There is a responsibility involved here to serve the Lord. 
Otherwise, there wouldn't be all these exhortations. But notice, there are two specific passages. Again, this is a motive for serving the Lord. It says in Romans 14.10, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every brother or sister in Jesus Christ, everybody in the family of God, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We're going to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ. God sees it all. He knows knows everything that we're doing, thinking, our motives. And I wonder, are we really taking seriously these exhortations, these admonitions to present your body a living sacrifice? To live for Christ every day until He comes again. Look over at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's another passage that deals in a little different way about the judgment seat of Christ in verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter... No, it's 1 Corinthians 5. I always mess that up. No, it's not. Okay, Al... This is your cue. All right. Uh, Usually you have this right on the tip of your tongue, Al. Is it 2 Corinthians 5, 9? No? I'm looking for about the judgment seat of Christ. It's chapter 4. Chapter 4, Joe. I mean, you could have saved the preacher right there. <laughs> but you know what? I think there's a party in all of you for some reason. You love to see the preacher struggle. He can't even find that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. It's 2 Corinthians. Uh, well, wait a minute. No, it ain't. 5.10. I was right all along. I, I'm going to tell you what happens to me sometimes. I've got a wide margin Cambridge Bible. Alright? King James Bible. And I've used this since 1981. In different. Uh, this is about my eighth Bible. Uh, I've been really gentle on this one. Uh, and a lot of times when I look up stuff, I know where it is because, you know, I can I, I got my notes there, things I've written there, and I don't have that in this one yet. All right, let's do it correctly. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Let's read verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, whether according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And I believe that at the judgment seat, if you, if you understand the, the rewards that will be given, and if, if you get a reward from the Lord, you understand it's because of what He's done in you. It's not because you're more intellectual or anything like that. It's because of God. So ultimately, every reward is because of His grace. But we're to serve Him. In light of this fact. Because I, when I stand before the Lord, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be able to... And listen, there are often times I am ashamed. When I look at, at the depths of my own depravity and the deceit of my heart, but oh, how I, I do want to serve the Lord. I do want to honor Him. So those are the motives that are set forth for serving the Lord acceptably. Now let's get into the manner. How do you go about it? And really it's all, it's set forth very concisely here in Romans chapter 12. Let's go back there. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I think it should be noted that he says, present your body a living sacrifice. He's, he's putting them in mind of the fact that they're not under the old covenant uh, sacrificial system any longer. The, in the Old Testament, they... they they offered the blood of animals, and it was a type of the, the work of Christ, okay, to cover their sins. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus did what none of the Old Testament sacrifices could do. None of them could put away sin. All they could do is cover it. When Christ came, His perfect work put away our sins. And the glorious thing about it is, we who are saved by the grace of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are to, we are to be living sacrifices unto the Lord. Now, but it puts you into mind consecration and dedication. See, present your bodies. It involves dedication, consecration, surrender. We ought to present our bodies to God. 
we've quoted that verse. What know ye not? Ye are not your own, but you're bought with a price. Therefore, serve God with your, the, your, your body, your spirit, your all belongs to God. Present your body. Surrender yourself. Give your entire being to God. Surrender. Yield. Offer yourself. Body, mind, and spirit. It literally means to offer ourselves and our all to His service. Now, as I read this, I get really convicted. If you start examining, what am I really dedicated to in my life? What am I consecrated to? Now, don't get me wrong. You're supposed to work. If any man uh, doesn't work, neither should he eat. Uh, I'm not saying to when you go out today, uh, in light of the coming of Christ, go get you an ascension robe, quit your job, and get up on a hillside and wait for the coming of the Lord. That's not biblical. We're, we're still in the world. We've got, we got to live. We've got to serve while we're living. But God must come first. It's the principle Jesus Set forth, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be given unto you. That's the principle. Put God first in everything you do. And that requires a measure of dedication and consecration. A willingness to yield yourself to God. Like the prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah, when he saw the Lord and the glory fill the, the heavenly temple, he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. How yielded are you to God? How dedicated is your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. How consecrated is it to God? When was the last time you bowed your knee in prayer and said, Lord, I want to yield everything that I have, everything that I am, to your service. God, I want to I want to be like the Apostle Paul who said, I count all things but dung that I may know Christ. I want to have the attitude that I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. I yield myself to You. I give myself to You. My mind, my body, my soul, my eyes, my mouth, my feet, my all. When was the last time you said, 
Here am I, Lord, send me. Do with me what you will. And I am yielded completely and entirely to you. It's a sobering question, isn't it? Give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to His Word, His government, His commands, His will, His ways. First and foremost, and to be able to say like Jesus did, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to walk in your ways. I want to love you supremely. More than anyone or anything. I want to be, I want to surrender everything. My will, my all to you. Somebody say, well, you, might, you sound like one of these second work of grace guys. No. I think we should be yielding ourselves every day. Because we're so prone to forget these exhortations. We must let go and relinquish every area of our life to God. We have to lose sight of self and be wholly absorbed in God, in His will, in His Word. Pretty, pretty comprehensive command, isn't it? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So that's, that's the first step, first manner of acceptable service is saying... Here I am. Do with me as you will. He commended the Corinthians. It says, or to, I think it was the Macedonians, 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now there are some living examples of people in the, in the Bible that actually presented their bodies a living sacrifice, knowing what it could cost them. We've been studying the book of Esther. Remember Mordecai said, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Even though you're not bidden by the king, you're going to have to do it. And God gave her grace after fasting and prayer. Esther went before the king and it was, it was God who intervened and ultimately preserved the Jewish race from extermination. There's some, there is a woman who fulfilled the spirit of Romans chapter 12. God bless Esther and her example. How about the three Hebrew children? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I ever have another kid, 
I might just name him Abednego. I like it. It's the Hebrew names. Remember, everybody, they built that big idol. They started playing instruments and the king decreed everybody's going to have to fall down and bow before this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Not me, pal. And they said, You're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. So be it. We believe in the one true living God, and we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Do what you will, but we're not bowing the knee, to, and, and we're not going to commit idolatry. Well, they bundled them up, cast them into the fiery furnace. Somehow they could see what was going on, and there was a fourth man there in the fiery furnace, and it was the Lord. And not a hair on their head was singed. The only thing that got burnt on them were the cords that they had bound them with. And they were free. They literally presented themselves a living sacrifice. And then, not much, not long after that, you have the prophet Daniel. Daniel made it a... Uh, he, he prayed every day. The bigwigs in the kingdom who were jealous of his authority and how he had been exalted figured out a way. We'll have the king sign a decree that if anybody prays outside of what we say, what the king says, then they're being thrown into the lion's den. Daniel knew full well what the decree was. He knew that the king had signed it and he kept praying. They threw him in the lion's den. He presented himself a living sacrifice. And you know the story. Miraculously, for some reason, those lions did not eat Daniel. King comes to check on him thinking, said, Daniel? And he said, Here I am, King! The Lord's preserved me! Wow, you talk about amazing. You know, what, what would that king... Wow! Wow! It got him so excited because the king liked Daniel. He got all their accusers and threw them in. Brought Daniel out, threw them in. All of a sudden, the lions got their appetite back. Crunching them like Cheetos down there. They presented themselves a living sacrifice. The apostles. Look at the times that they were threatened. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. But they kept serving. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That was my first point. So we're going to finish up next week on the manner of acceptable service. I hope you know the Lord Jesus. Because you can't serve Him until you know Him. Let's all stand.